0: welcome back to consuming the craft podcast this is puff with me today the brain one of the brains behind riverbend malting company uh (laughs) brent welcome back i know you've been on before uh, we just did this. Have I? Yeah, you have, I think. Okay. Yeah, what we drink. It's fine. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, you were uh, you were smart enough and had the vision enough to uh, lose a pile of money and start a malting company here in Asheville, North Carolina, Riverbend Malting Company. Uh, you guys have grown and expanded and uh, got into all sorts of crazy things. And one of those things was corn. Absolutely. Absolutely. And. Uh, you approached me a while back to do some single malt studies, which we did. And I think uh, we did Avalon, we did your Southern Select, and then we did. Uh,
1: we took it one step uh, further. We actually cut it up into individual varieties. Yeah, so we yeah. did uh, Avalon, which is a brand new two row uh, released by Virginia Tech, uh, and then compared that with Calypso and Violetta, two varieties that uh, are from a company called Lima Grain.
0: Yeah, so we, we made single malts for you guys. And. Um, I think they turned out fantastic.
1: Absolutely, yeah. It was it was super cool, you know, to explore the the flavor profile. You know, we blend for flavor. A lot of larger malt houses blend for uh, specification purposes. Um, but it was, you know, on the flip side of that, we've also uh, launched our single origin pilsner uh, category line, and so Cumberland Pilsner is all Calypso, and uh, Chesapeake Pilsner is all Violetta, and which
0: I thought was really cool because you're like. You came with this vision of like the terroir of the barley to be a single malt kind of whiskey. And I was like, that's no one's doing that. That's really cool.
1: Right. Yeah. So and they present differently. So uh, I'm, uh, Calypso to me uh, presents like a, a nice sort of doughy bread, sort of a little sweeter, a little I almost softer. got like a brioche. There you go. Or, or, or brioche, if you will. <laughs> <laughs> so a little creaminess to yeah, yeah, it, for there, sure. Yeah, there's a mouthfeel to it that I, I really enjoyed. Yeah, and so on the flip side of that, we have Violetta comes off a lot, like a little crisper, a little bit more floral. I don't want to
0: say cleaner, but it is, it it, it like the finish of it doesn't linger as much as... as, uh, as uh,
1: True, yeah. The yeah. finish is a little sharper. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of our... Uh, um, brewers that really get down in the weeds and in, in the lager game, you know, think that the the Violetta sort of trends closest to a continental uh, European uh, oh, flavor profile. Oh, that makes profile. sense. Yeah, 100%. And so an Avalon to me comes on as kind of like a super Calypso. It's ri- it's even richer It no, almost it has was, like a coconut water kind of flavor it to it. It was thick. Yeah, viscous, for sure. It
0: it had that, uh, um, I don't know if it was the oils or what we were getting out of the still, but even coming off the still as we were tasting it, 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 first of all, it was fantastic. (laughs) And uh, that day that we ran the still, it was two days consecutively in a row to make the batch go through. And it was, yeah, it was super, like, just, you're grasping that single malt flavor, like, as it was being harvested out of the field with all of them. But that one in particular, there was a... uh, uh, there was a, there was a, well, you put it between your fingers as it right. was coming off and yeah. there was a, there was a slickness. There was this, this mouthfeel, sure. this creaminess to it, even more so than the Calypso.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, all of this kind of points to a, a lot of, you know, I, I think people are sort of like really excited. Like they want terroir for small grains and Lord knows I, I do as well. Um, so
0: where'd that idea come from? Cause that's really cool.
1: Yeah. So the, the basically, you know, because we do hot steeps on everything, you know, we really, just we got to a point where we were really picking apart nuances of these different uh, varieties, you know, a lot of folks in the brewing industry, you know, if you know, wanted to do this all North Carolina or all Virginia or all Tennessee as a custom malt. And so a lot of those custom malt projects began to inform what we were doing uh, on a product development standpoint. And once we were confident that, you know, a given variety was distinctive, but not necessarily a a farm. So I'm not ready to take the terroir conversation to that level to say, you know, I can tell the difference between Violetta grown in, you know, John Smith's farm versus versus Steve Smith down the road. You know, not ready to get down to to that level, but we we felt confident that the variety spoke differently in the the, the, um, hot steep scenario. And so we thought... Okay, we see single malt becoming a defined category. We see more of our craft spirits customers sort of playing in this space. Let's give them something to taste. Yeah, You, you, yeah, yeah. you, you know that, it, and because you know, and I don't have much of a distilling background, so it, it was a way for me to sort of pick their brains sure. and say, you, you know, like, does this make sense to you? Like, are you tasting differences, and how do you think this translates? in the barrel, you know, over years. O- yeah, over yeah, yeah. years so if you're setting you know, it
0: down for five years. What, what right. do you think that that's
1: going to predict? Yeah, you yeah. got there's a crystal ball thing yeah. here that, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. you know, that I didn't have. And so we what we've been doing is just sort of bottling up in the little Boston round gla- yeah. glass jars. And, you know, whenever we're meeting with a distiller, you know, they're getting some grain samples, but they're also getting these little sample uh, glasses of single malt to sort of Start that conversation, and it's been really cool. We've gotten some great feedback so far. Um, excited to put Avalon in the uh, in that conversation uh, for, yeah, our, for I, our next round.
0: I think that that was a really uh, I- interesting grain, and then you <laughs> you took it to a whole nother level for us because then you were like, "We should do this with corn." And I was yeah. like, "Well, it's single malt malted barley is one thing, but corn yeah. is a is a whole nother Oscar." So um, you came uh, with some Cumberland corn, which is kind of your staple.
1: Two, it, yeah it, it is yeah so cumberland corn is is uh came from uh tennessee grown non-gmo yellow dent corn number so two dent corn Number yeah, two yeah. dent corn. i'm so from
0: iowa so i know about you know that. your corn, right yeah. Yeah. yeah so that's good yeah, I, i'm yeah. still learning yeah. um
1: but it, so the the trick here was just simply you know this tor- this is kind of your mo- modern tortilla chip corn it, yeah. it's a workhorse it does a lot of different things um but the the trick for us in malting corn was really just kind of again sort of looking at southern brewing heritage and and looking at at what brewers were getting out of a a flaked corn product and and the answer was not much. No they weren't. You you, you know it's it, it's some contribution to the starting gravity and it's some, you know, mouthfeel and all of that. But. Maybe
0: a little DMS dimethyl sulfoxide, but right. you know, it, it's, it's not a huge contributor. Yeah. Yeah. And they were buying probably pre-gelatinized corn flakes. They were getting a little sugar out of it. There's Absolutely. maybe a little flavor, but
1: yeah. So yeah. a lighter body, you know, a little bit of, you know, but so, and then the question was, we've got these sort of heirlooms bubbling up mm-hmm. and a couple of, um, uh, uh, you know, distilling uh, spaces in the South, folks like, you know, High Wire down in Charleston yeah. using uh, Jimmy Red and all of that. And so we are like, we kind of need to figure out how to malt corn. Because if we malt it, we can probably unlock some different flavors, some more intense flavors. Mm-hmm. And we can also make it just as easy for our brewers to work with. Maybe maybe it is a traditional modern non-GMO like like the yellow number two, but if we can figure those out you know maybe we can unlock some of these uh heirloom heritage brands as well um and so it, it was an interesting challenge in the malt house uh because when you just put it through corn put it through the normal steep germinate kiln not much happens no. you, you you have to trick it essentially and it you know it ended up the solution to it was was kind of a duh why didn't we think of that earlier moment uh which is simply Corn grows in the summer in the south, and our barley grows October through June. And so when we had the opportunity to put warmer water on it in the summertime, that's when we got sufficient water uptake to kick germination Uh, off, and uh, yeah, and so it's, basically just applying warmer water sort of allows the grain to, to, to wake up, to wake up yeah, basically. Okay. So if you ever hear these, the, some of the uh, old uh, tales of germinating, uh, grandpappy germinating corn in yep. the, in the mountain Creek, that's not true. That's, it it, no, it does, it's it, the water's it, too cold. Yeah. I mean, it, if you're in a mountain Creek, it's probably 45 degrees, yeah. but the corn's not going to do anything with that. No. So it might've gotten soft, but it definitely didn't germinate and, you know, become easier to work with. Um, but anyway, so once we had the warmer water and then our process controls improved and we could actually maintain some of these temperatures, that um, kind of unlocked the door. You know, we we were able to malt it successfully. It really, and luckily for us, it did provide that deeper, richer, more concentrated flavor. Um, and we were kind of off to the races. I mean, it was... Uh, something that both distilleries and breweries were interested yeah, in. Yeah, definitely. Y- you know whether it was adding depth to a cream ale or doing a uh, an all malt bourbon recipe. Yeah. You know people people immediately jumped in and, and began innovating, um, which was which was great. That yeah. was exactly what we wanted to do. Um, and uh, yeah, no extra steps for the brew in the brew house. It goes through the mill fairly easily and. Don't have to cereal mash. It doesn't have any diastatic power, though, because Correct. that's not what it was bred to do. Yep. It yep. was just simply a starch delivery device, and um, basically, malting is going to break up that starch packet so you can get your enzymes
0: to, to, to break ex- down the, the exactly. stored carbohydrates.
1: Yeah, totally. And so, um, so yeah, so whether it was an all malt bourbon or whether it was a um, you know a, a, a richer, deeper cream ale, you know, we had a lot of a lot of success with that. Um, we played around. Uh, then we've got our hands on Bloody Butcher, which is an heirloom variety that dates back to the 1840s. Uh, really beautiful. It's a beautiful dark, corn. Dark red, it Really purple. is a beautiful corn. Yeah, and uh, thankfully it was it it was compliant with our process uh, with yeah. the process and uh, everything worked beautifully and that threw off a completely different flavor profile. So lots of chai spice, cardamom.
0: And I, I think at one point we did do some Bloody Butcher
1: here for yeah. y'all. And yeah, It was a very, very different, uh, different flavor. For sure. Yeah. yeah. It, it's, um, you know, for that, it it, it it was not ever, from what I've read, it, it was never sort of the, the everyday cornmeal corn. It, no. It, it wasn't meant to, to serve in that uh, uh, space. But... So that so that sort of played along really nicely. We got a we did a few batches of Jimmy Red for um, uh, a contract uh, deal that threw off some similar vibes as uh, as the uh, Bloody Butcher, um, and then our latest release is Hickory King, and so that's kind of the next step. It, it, it they started you know fit your take you back to like the mid late eighteen hundreds. Yeah. You know we're we're in the, the hills of Appalachia and we're doing sort of backyard plant breeding, you sure. know, we're, we're crossing, whatever, crossing, whatever's yeah, yeah. around there, uh, looking for better yield, better flavor, better storage, you know, disease whatever resistance, disease all disease resistance, stuff. resistance yeah, you, you bet. know, um, a lot of poor soils in this area yeah. and
0: selecting for stuff that'll grow. You bet. Yep.
1: And so Hickory King comes along, uh, as a gourd seed corn, which is technically also a dent corn. Mm-hmm. So it's a, Following the family tree of, of corn varieties back a couple hundred years, it can be a, a dizzying exercise, but, but they're still in the same dent family, sure. just a much larger corn kernel. It uh, is.
0: It, it, that was one of the things that I saw just even in the bag when you said yep. it, it was... That's almost like your thumbnail. Yeah, it was huge. Yeah.
1: It was huge. And uh, so got our hands on that and kind of looking at that as like sort of tracing the, the history of... Corn in America and and all the different pathways that it probably went into, be it you know beer or whiskey or you know modern food staple uh, things. So when we get to the 1880s, um, you know Hickory King is one of the dominant varieties uh, up and down the Appalachian uh, area, and so this is just our, our latest heirloom that we're playing with, and the flavor profile from this is. Very low in sweetness, from what I've read, it it was their cornbread of uh, corn of, of choice, which is it's such a
0: light, it's a beautiful looking corn. It's light yeah, in color. It, it it's looks not, great. Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. And uh, but but to me, I, I get more like hearth baked tortillas. I'm not sure it would make the best tasting cornbread, or either I've just been you know the sweet corns yeah, of yeah, today yeah. have sort of sure. it, sort of changed my expectations of what a, a, a corn cornbread tastes like. South. Sure, sure. So but um really interesting to sort of walk down this um uh this path of you know all these different historic ingredients and uh you know, it, it, for any of the listeners tuning in, uh, I invite y'all to check out a gentleman named David Shields. Uh, he's a retired professor from South Carolina University, and he has um, done a lot of work with the Carolina Gold Rice Foundation. Mm-hmm. And he's got some really interesting essays on, you know, what grains were used as you go kind of decade by decade. And... Um, It's really fascinating to to sort of follow those historic footsteps. And so we're really pumped about having Hickory King as part of that.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so you gave me basically a couple kilos of this corn and was like, hey, uh, make bourbon. So we did here, which was really cool. And I wanted wanted to tell you about how we did it. Yeah, please. if we're looking at the big kid distilleries, they're getting train cars of this corn, right? So then they've got to gelatinize it somehow. Uh, They usually do that with like direct steam injection or pressure cookers or... um, you know they're going to be steeping this corn for a long period of time and boiling it up to open up that starch packet so there's a, mm-hmm. a beta glucanase, a little packet that kind of carries the starch uh, inside of the endosperm in these in these kernels whether it's barley or rye or and as you know from malting rye that it's just gummy and stick absolutely same with these corns. so
1: yeah.
0: i decided that we were going to emulate some of the bigger kids and we were going to uh, use a pressure cooker so i used my instapot Nice to cook up, uh, and I had to do it in batches. And I used it, uh and I, I hydrated it, and and so uh, basically, just a fine
1: milling, and then add yeah. Water so I ran it
0: through our two row mill twice okay. to get it as fine as I could uh with a pretty tight tight gap. Uh, got it down, and then I cooked it in the instapot Pot for 20 minutes under pressure, and it worked fantastic. Cool. It was really really neat. So if you're looking to, I mean. The Hickory King, as well, this looked like beautiful hominy coming out. The smells were different. They are very different corn. Mm -hmm. Uh, And what we did was 70% corn, 16% rye, and then 14% of your malted barley. Uh, We did, uh, I've got the notes here because otherwise I'm going to screw stuff up. Basically, uh, two pounds per gallon ratio. Uh, We added a little bit of calcium sulfate, a little bit of calcium chloride to bump up the calcium for yeast health and just for enzymatic reactions happening in the mash. Mm -hmm. Kind of reverse mash. So we got this super hot corn coming out of, uh, of our Instapot, dumping it into the fermenter. Got that down to about mash temperature. We mashed in at about 151 degrees.
1: Is the is the rye, rye malt we, or just the, raw? It rye? was
0: raw. That that's the other thing I want to tell you about. That stuff smelled amazing. Raw. I raw? don't. The rye that you sent me okay.
1: was so good. Yeah. So delicious. They don't use it anymore in the big big houses.
0: That's too bad. It's so... Sm- it, the smell that we got in that mash, because the second batch went in, it was still hot enough. We dumped in the rye that we mm-hmm. had uh, milled very, very finely to gelatinize that with the residual heat that was in the corn, mm-hmm. added the last batch of corn, uh, added a little bit of cold water, got it down to mash temp, and added the barley. Then mm-hmm. the enzymes took... Took hold. We actually added a little bit of heat stable enzyme and a little bit of uh, something called bioglucanase uh, to help break down some of the glucan mm-hmm. that was in the because it's 70% corn. I mean, we didn't want it right. Yeah, the enzymes to take four hours, but uh, we got starch conversion with less than an hour. So we are seeing that uh, iodine test that we do to make sure that there is starch conversion, uh, and then we pitched in some regular turbo yeast, uh, some 48 uh, TY48, um, same amount in both uh, fermenters. Uh, we they took off. Uh, And then basically a week later, we distilled them. And I'm telling you, that rye that we put in with the corn, just the smell coming off the ferment was unbelievably good. It was so good. Uh, And we got well I think we got all the good out of the corn that we could with with gelatinizing it the way we did Mm -hmm. um, and with the fermentation that we did. So we ended up running... Uh, the still two consecutive days, uh, basically our little three gallon benchtop still, pot still. And then we cave, uh, we basically made those two for you. Nice. So you have the Cumberland and the Hickory corn. And I think we should try those to see yeah. see how they. Now, I, I we talked a little bit about before we got on, and those are going to be over seventy percent. So we're going to need to we're gonna splash a little. Down. Yeah, I was going to say we're, we're going to need to splash a little water in there, otherwise, uh, you and I aren't going to be able to drive for a couple of days. But um, <laughs> there's a heavy. A, that's a deep. Hey, that's, that's a deep pour for a, a heavy, morning, right? Yeah, that's a heavy pour. Um, <laughs> shit, I'm making a mess. <laughs> Love it. Uh, so. Sitting at the bar here at the Craft Beverage Institute of the Southeast in the podcast studios. Jeff has
1: a bar in his office. He's taking it to the next level. Well, first. I just figured, uh, why why hide it anymore, right? I mean, I'm all for it, I, honestly. As soon as I saw it, I was like, that's going in my next office. <laughs> I think everyone should have a bar Everyone now. should have a bar in their office. Yeah.
0: It, it, it has uh, promoted uh, wow. good feelings. Yeah. and uh, It, it and just things. brings a
1: smile to everyone's face that walks in the door. So just
0: just smelling them, uh, I mean, of course, they're both clear liquor coming off the still. Uh, They both distilled very, very easily. Um, Basically, looking at, uh, you know, just the smells that we're getting just in these glasses, you're getting uh, two different smells, um, for sure, from the corns, Um, both... uh, honestly both good in their own right yeah yeah Uh, i'm not trying to take anything away from your cumberland but yeah
1: no no it's it's part of the the sort of uh gestation of this idea was you know i was chatting with one of our customers at uh district made spirits out of dc and he's one of the if not the only bourbon I could find on the market that had Hickory King as a base. Really? Okay. Yeah. And so I was chatting with him, I was chatting with you and he was like, I'll send you a bottle. We'll try it out. And I was like, okay, cool. This is perfect. (laughs) You know, we're, we're going to have, uh, you know, some research going on and a commercial comparison and, and, uh, you know,
0: yeah, now that they so what we've done is we've poured them in a glass, we've opened them up with a, a little bit of water because we don't want to be drinking them at seventy seven percent. Right. Um, certainly, they wouldn't go in a barrel anything higher than 125, one hundred twenty five sixty uh, two and a half percent AB, ABV. Um, uh, you know, that's law for for bourbon at this point. But what are you getting in the Cumberland versus the Hickory King? Because that's that's the it, this is the fun for me right yeah, now because yeah. the, the the sensory part of it is. Absolutely, they are different products. Yeah, same I mean,
1: rye, same barley, but like they are different products. And I think that that creaminess comes through in the Cumberland for me straight away. I can see kind of the rye spice kind of riding on top of mm-hmm, it a little mm-hmm. bit, and so you get that. Well, I don't know what rye you sent me, but it was so good. I, I'm pretty sure it was a Bruisy. So that's been so good. That, That's been the one. Um, so that one's the one that. Um, uh, is, you do know, you know the Leopold brother guys? Yeah, okay yeah, yeah. so they're big believers in the component of uh, the abruzzi rise linalool. and that's like the, the, yeah, um, yeah. the really floral uh, component that's in uh, found in higher concentrations in that. And uh, not just to completely swerve off topic here for a minute. Uh (laughs) No, because I got another thing to swerve off topic with you. So just keep going. Keep going. So um, yeah, so a brusee very high in linalool compared to modern varieties. And so, You've got what we call hybrid varieties out right now, much higher yielding, much higher yielding, like two x a bruzy, mm-hmm. um, if not three. And so a lot of our uh, modern, uh, you know, our current farmers are like, hey, hey, can you try this? There, there's a variety called Roseto and Teo and a couple of others, and they're like, these are really high yielding, and we're like, cool, yeah, we'll try them out. And you know, I put. Brissette, we worked with Brassetto most recently, and we put Brassetto through the malting process and put it side-by-side side with Carolina rye, which sure. is 100% um, a bruisey. And it, the spice component is just muted, in my opinion. Like, it's still there. But, but it's, it's but not it, as but it, but it sharp. But doesn't, it doesn't snap like a freshly cracked black peppercorn yeah, yeah you know it doesn't yeah, have no,
0: because when i poured it in the fermenter yeah and it hit that hot water and it started to steep yeah that
1: smell yeah My, it, i mean i'm getting goosebumps yeah. now just talking about it it, it was amazing a, it's a rich spice profile i no, mean there's fantastic. a little bit of like citrus
0: oil in the yes. finish and and
1: you know and it, there was a little bit of
0: that like black pepper and like because yeah. i had some other folks in there it, and we it's were like oh, a dry oh i loved
1: it, it. yeah it, like it it opens up and then it just yes dries out on the palate, and these these modern varieties are sort of um,
0: well they're bred for
1: for yield for bread say, yeah, yeah yeah and they I mean it's almost like I get really flavorful bread notes out of it out of the modern varieties and you know we had a, a, a distillery customer in and you know, she actually preferred the Brissetto, you know, for their flavor profiles, uh, thinking that it was a better match. And there's actually several large distilleries in in Kentucky that have blessed these new modern hybrids as a perfect fit for what they do. And they can actually swap them for rye from Germany, which is previously where it came from. Yeah, wow. And, okay. Uh, so yeah, so it's um, it's really cool to see there's actually a, a to swerve even further uh, there's a group <laughs> called the Farmland Trust that's actually driving a, a rye project in Kentucky to, with the sole goal of displacing imported rye in, in the American uh, uh, in the Kentucky bourbon scene, that's and, awesome. Yeah, so I mean, it, it's a great partnership. It has a lot of environmental benefits because it's a you're not shipping all that
0: stuff and you're growing not shipping it. Yeah, all yeah of no, of no, it. no, no, that's you,
1: huge. You're you're expanding cover crop acreage and yeah. off season erosion control. All, all of it, all, all yeah. of it is happening, and so it, it's a really cool project. They're making making great strides, um, and like I say, they've got some of the big houses online good, uh, on good. board with it. So, so, so now
0: now to jump back into the Cumberland and the in the Hickory King. Mm-hmm. Um, what are you smelling different? What are you tasting? Um, I know you're a certified specialist of spirits now, yes, so yes. I, I'm in the uh, the so, company of uh, yeah, royalty, yeah. Well, right?
1: you're in the company of a guy who had learned way too much about <laughs> French liqueurs. Um, <laughs> so it's, uh, uh, yeah. Mm. So to me, yeah, that dryness is taking hold. It's not at like, and it's really interesting to you know when I go back and think about what um, the the district made spirit you know obviously an aged product yeah you know it, it really plays up that dryness after it spins like the oak and the the there, flavor
0: there's an amazing mouthfeel but it is it's crisp it's clean yeah it's it, a, it drops out you still out. get that corn flavor you get a little bit of the rye in the background mm. it's it's palate I don't want to say palate cleansing but it is kind of in that way where um, it's like you want an Oktoberfest to just whoosh, Oh, man. L- leave, Start. Leave, leave, leave the palette. Start that. Mm.
1: Um, yeah, I think uh, these. I mean, it's a little bit. Am I getting more like banana ester out of it? Like. Um, you might be. Mm. See, w- with the
0: Cumberland, I get more of that. Uh, Corn flavor. Yeah, yeah, exactly. This just seems like like number two dent corn. I I don't want to say one dimensional. No, 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 no. no. It it it, it, it strikes a note. It hits it very, very hard. Yep. It's corn. It's what it's supposed to be. It reminds me of it's uh, modern grits. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. This one has a little bit more. The Hickory King is going to be. I I mean, it's going to be hard to predict what happens in the in the barrel over five years. I mean it, it could be it, it's going to be amazing yeah i would love to try that uh that but i think King that
1: dryness it. would push me to not push this i too, wouldn't go too far five years. Yeah. No, no no because yeah,
0: yeah. the tannins would also dry it out i think you definitely 53 gallon barrel you could probably get some really nice complexity three years especially around these
1: parts and i'd like to go back with a bit higher malt
0: about malt backbone in there. Yeah, a little, L- lower the lower the rye and put a lower. Yeah.
1: Lower the rye, jack up, uh, and really like play those two off of each other. I'd almost
0: the, want it, it, me being a fan of oats. I would like just like a one percent oat because I think that would add some earthiness. It would uh, it would
1: complement the texture of this little, and yeah. extend that mouthfeel a yeah. little bit. It, w- it, w- yeah. it
0: would bring because because the mouthfeel is great. It's delicious, but it is it finishes really it quickly. Finishes
1: quick for sure. Yeah. So, yeah, and so that's that's what I you know I've been. <laughs> really sort of playing. I could drink that all day. That's scary. Yeah, right? It's not, I mean... That's that's really really scary good. Really pleasing. I dig that.
0: I've almost finished my class. There you go. He,
1: He finished the heavy pour, ladies and gentlemen. So... That's perfect.
0: I'm going to get awfully charming here in about yeah. 15 minutes, so yeah. we probably should it.
1: This is going to get smooth.
0: So one of the other things I wanted to talk about was chit malt. Oh, okay. Sure. So so this is a product uh, I heard about for a long time. And what chit is, is I'm not swearing, it's C-H-I-T. It is basically the rootlet material, a little bit of shoot material left on the grain. Chit malt? No? Not ours. No? What
1: no. You, what, so t- tell me, the yeah. chit is that little thing that you're, you're getting off, right? Yeah. So the, the chit is... Yes, technically the yeah. So the first sort of sign of life as we're uh, germinating barley, it chits the rootlet material. Yes. you start to it, see it, it. <laughs> pops out of the bottom of the kernel. Kind of looks like a pimple a little bit. Yeah, and from there we go. The rootlets grow out. I of... I did just finish you, you this. this finish I, I, I,
0: I went right back to the Hickory King. Bravo, it was unbelievable. sir.
1: The uh, it really is. It's I, delicious. I think it would. I mean, a little recipe tweaking and like uh, base malt tweaking a little tweaking. bit. You would have something that would just. Ooh, it'd be scary. And then I'd I'd like to play around with a barrel finish on it as oh. well. And like, see, I've got some stuff for you to try after we, we get off. We, we've There's been we've woods been, woods from South America, the Ambarana Yeah, yeah, we've been we've been uh, loving on um, ASWs uh, Ambarana finish. So so I uh, have uh, another one done in
0: ash. Ooh, I haven't had any. So of that. I I talked to a guy from Black Swan Cooperage uh-huh. A guy was phenomenal. I, I did a podcast at the CBC last year and uh, nice. Uh, he he. Not that there's going to be a lot of ash, unfortunately, because the emerald ash borer. But yeah, uh, hopefully that'll get yeah, bred. But it's not, and, it's and
1: not. Is it a green ash? No, 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 no. Uh,
0: it, it, it's it's seasoned. It's
1: uh, no, like no, a no, no. I mean, like the specie green ash.
0: No, I couldn't uh, even tell you what ash it was. Okay, I,
1: I'll right. have to look on the the, the package because green
0: ash is plentiful around yeah, here. Yeah.
1: My previous life, I was an environmental wetland restoration specialist, so yeah. we we planted millions of them. Yes, but um, I don't know if they make decent barrels at all. I don't know. We'd have to look into it. The um but y- yeah I keep going back. You are yeah, yeah, doing yeah, the yeah, same yeah. thing. You keep yeah, yeah.
0: smelling it, and you're like, I like this.
1: Alright, so so we were talking amberana. Yeah, and, yeah, and So and wood chitmalt. finishes and chit malt. Yeah, yeah, So chit. Yeah. So as the little little root material pokes its Okay, yeah. So so just to back up one step though, so the the, the genesis of chit malt was ties back to the Rehazkobalt law, which I'm sure I'm butchering the pronunciation. Thank you, sir. My, das
0: good, uh, yeah,
1: my southern <laughs> accent. I just can't form those words. <laughs> um but you get my Drift, yeah, and uh, so anyway, it was had to be malt, yeah, and, and so technically chit malt was malt, and yeah. so what what it is in a maltster's view is a very very briefly germinated under, product, uh, kind of undermodified and so to speak, wildly undermodified. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so th- it's hydrated just enough in the steep to get that chit to come out. We let ours germinate. Maybe 24 hours, maybe 36, okay. de- depending on what time, uh, time of year, uh, how the barley, where it is in its sort of cycle. Um, and then it's gently kilned so that we don't get much color development. And the idea is that it can replace the role of raw barley in a given recipe. Oh, uh, okay, um, okay, So you're okay. getting protein, you're getting mouthfeel, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you're getting head retention, all those lovely attributes. And um, it's, uh, you know, w- what started as a complete just – Let's throw the spaghetti up against the wall and see if this thing sticks. Um, you know, just malt nerd sort of yeah. uh, playground project really became a pretty surprising hit for us. Nice, um, yeah, yeah. So it, it's um, it it really does replace carapils and any of those sort of that sort, mal- of, oh, that oh, sort nice. of dextrin yeah. uh, malts that are out there. Um, pretty crazy, right? Yeah, I mean, super it, crazy. It, it, it's um, so you know we don't recommend people push it beyond 15% um, yeah that would be a big portion cuz yeah. right but yeah. we've, we but you know, we had guys that were you know working for you know and it's gone into i mean i almost don't let people go out the door without a bag of it if they're going to brew a lager okay or, or, yeah, yeah yeah or, or pretty okay. and pretty much any beer really yeah. i'm just like just put a bag of shit in there just, yeah. just for head retention. Cause I, I feel C H I T just for everyone it, listening. <laughs> yeah. Good shit. Exactly. Great shit actually is the name phenomenal of the phenomenal, pro- phenomenal shit. Um, but the whole idea, you know, I, I know a lot of guys, you, you know, they're struggling with, uh, mobile canning and yes. just making, you know, package quality, uh, is especially during the pandemic was a challenge, Ugh. you know? And so giving you just a little insurance policy there is, is a pretty easy thing to do. Um, but yeah, so it it, it started as uh, you know just kind of a joke almost, and it really works. So, and so one of the things I
0: wanted to talk to you about yes. is I don't know if we talked about this or not, but I've been drinking hickory corn uh, right. white liquor all morning. Sure, but, um, it's perfect. That being said, there there is uh, some anecdotal anecdotal things, <laughs> wow, <laughs> anecdotal things that I was reading that if we leave the rootlet material on the grain, okay. so you're not winnowing it, you're not removing that and killing yeah. it off. Yeah. that that adds complexity to whiskey as well. Now, where, where that comes from, I don't know. I don't know mm. what that particular material would do because there's not, there's not sugar in it. It, it would, if you're, if you're drying it, there may be some
1: tannin. Maybe? Well, that's, and that's really where I kind of, you know, so our chit goes through the same cleaning process. So you're not actually being delivered a bag of chit. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> Hey, yo, Hey, I um, see what you did there. Yeah. Um, so it's clean, just like our normal uh, barley products. But um, but the on the rootlet side, you know, some folks have have looked at leaving the rootlets on in a yeah. in a smoked situation as a way of impre- in, like increasing
0: the phenolic compounds. Yeah, okay, okay yeah. that makes
1: sense. But you know, I always tell, and when I give my sort of can tour, when I talk about uh, the cleaning process, I always sort of reflect uh, say that you know. This delicate plant material has been, being the rootlet, has been kilned, you know, well above 100 degrees yeah. for, for 24 hours. So it probably doesn't taste that great. It, so it, it might have like a, a slightly burnt vegetal character well, that, it, that it, I don't know that I'd want in whiskey or beer.
0: Those chemicals, too, are very big so I would be curious to see what their boiling points are, and even if they would make it through the distillation uh, process. yeah. So, so it, like may be it, a non, it may it, be a non-issue. Even the tannins I'm talking about, those yeah. are those are big chemicals. Because I know
1: it matters in the beer world. It, so no, by far. Uh, yeah, yeah, Because,
0: yeah, yeah, we, I mean, distillation is just a concentration process. We can sure. see it with this, this Hickory King that so I, it, I finished. <laughs> so
1: if it shows up in a beer mash, I, I'd be concerned that, I don't know if it would make it through distillation, but I'd...
0: It, it would definitely show up in the beer mash, and then you get that... T- and complex you would get some uh, haze that, potential You yeah. would yeah
1: and uh, like i say i just i the the slightly burnt vegetal the, note i think would be kind of off-putting some, off-putting 100 would, you, you wouldn't want to have that but
0: no it's not something i don't want a burnt vegetable a burnt vegetable in your whiskey not, yeah mm-hmm. no. No,
1: or in my whiskey to be honest with you but but we have had just it's been great because you know it's just been a, a great opportunity for us to displace like one more large sort of large-scale malt house product that everyone sort of leaned on pretty heavily for and for
0: fuel for dextrins for residual
1: sugars and so yeah. now we ship pallets of this stuff out. that's amazing and so it's that's uh, a great
0: story i'm glad I asked yeah about yeah
1: it. totally it, it uh great shit has been a, a win for us um it, it's it, but again started from the silliest of you know let's just see if this works i've read this in an old you know German textbook, yeah, whatever, yeah, 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 so. which, which is also
0: really funny. <laughs> yeah. Because there's not a lot written down about malting. You guys are basically no. poking at stuff yeah. in the dark with sticks and hopefully finding stuff,
1: so, right, which was amazing. Right. The, we we love the phrase, uh, building the plane while flying it. And, <laughs> it uh, seems safe. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Seems so, like a great idea. No, I and, and I do. I have a good time with my, uh, our, my brewery buddies because I'm always just kind of needling them a little bit. I'm like, you know, if you want to start a brewery and you say put the call out you'll have three engineers and architects show up the next day helping you maximize the space yeah, and it, tell you it, how many industrial people you, engineers are going to be able
0: to help you with process and right
1: like, yeah we're here to help with that yeah, yeah. And, and but if you're trying to open a mall house at the scale we were opening there's Bas- zero basically no one zero. And, actually uh,
0: i would say negative
1: yeah and so you had to create we had to create <laughs> and so it, it it was a challenge we made we've made a ton of mistakes along the way but it, it's uh, but
0: i'm telling you right now these two uh spirits in front of me
1: yeah well and this is the real fun part you, you know we we love craft beer and you know we obviously our roots are, are strong in that but you know as we look to the future and especially with the single malt designation coming on, you know, we see spirits being a bigger and bigger piece of what we do. And you well, know, I love, I
0: love the ideas of uh, a single malt terroir stuff. And totally. I love that. It's like going back to the smash beers, single malt, single hop beers, right. You're, you're kind of, you're, you're tipping your cap to what you've done before, and now you're you're trying to uh, offer folks uh, an opportunity to paint an amazing palette right. with uh, with the grains that you guys are offering.
1: Yeah, I, and that's you know you may have read the the Terroir of Whiskey book. I mean, there, there's that's kind of where we're heading. I think is it again. It's not going to be farm to farm, but it's definitely going to be region to region. Well,
0: I, see, I like whiskey. I don't know if that's a surprise, um, <laughs> <laughs> but. I'm here to try everything that you guys come up with right. for my students. It's not something I want to do for me. Yeah. It's for the kids. It's, it's for, for the children. It for th- it's for the children. For the
1: next generation.
0: Yes, it's for the, for the next generation of whiskey drinkers.
1: Yeah. But I, I think it's a really exciting time, you know, because what I enjoy, the, the probably one of the most um, stark comparisons I've drawn from craft spirits versus craft uh, beer is that, you know, we've been sort of shouting from the mountaintop, like, learn about craft malt in in your blogger in your ipa or whatever and the craft beer consumer is like oh that's cool thanks for coming out but when we get into craft spirits because that consumer that end consumer is spending so much more on that, it's an product. investment
0: it's an investment for that bottle to come into their home yeah i
1: mean whether it's you know 60 i mean we're it's seeing 30 st- to a hundred dollars worth of bottle we're, yeah sure. we're seeing yeah initial releases five-year-old whiskey Hundred thirty dollars, nobody bats an eye, right? You, you know, so for that, they those folks are researching. No, no, they're at, they're, they're at, more they,
0: educated. I don't want to say they're more educated
1: consumer, but they're they're, they're hungry for education.
0: They they are in that investment of hundred and thirty dollars in a bottle fosters that curiosity about what's going inside of it, Absolutely. and that's
1: that's fun though. Yeah, exactly. And so that, but that's a really marked difference between. The craft beer consumer buying a twenty dollars four pack, and the craft spirits person looking at a hundred dollar plus investment. No, no, no. I, they yeah. they want to know everything. No, they and, do. And, and like they want to know the mash bill, the age. They, they
0: want, who who mash who, who malted who, who, it? His name was Steve, right. and he was uh. well. And they
1: and they absolutely want to meet the distiller. Oh, and, all, every, and, time. And, every time, every yeah, time, you bet and they want to know his or hers you know background yes. and like where how'd they, you what? learn how to do this or right where'd you go to school or and so i mean it, that to me is just a really exciting opportunity for malt to step in and and play a, an exciting and educational more, role. more yeah. vibrant role yeah. in, in the development of this new space because there's all there's really fun um statistics around you know with this american single malt category they're they're doing research they're rearranging displays and total wine and yeah, places yeah, yeah. like that. And they're just saying, here's an American whiskey section and sales go up eight to 10%. Right. Because they, they pulled bottles from all over the store. Be they rye whiskey, be they single malt, be they bourbon, put them in one space and people are like, Oh wow. I've never heard of these. Why I would ne-
0: I've never, I would never have given them a chance before right. because they got, you know, lost it in, lost
1: the, in the, sh- yeah. the shuffle. And so we're, we're at this really interesting intersection, I think. And you, you know, the consumer is going to pick up that bottle, and they're like, wow, that's kind of spendy. What's happening here? And they're yeah, like, yeah. and if, if the distiller has put together a nice package, it's going to say, you know, blah, 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 distiller. This product is four to five years old. It came from Rick House ABC. The mash bill contains local ingredients. And they're like, oh, wow, this feels pretty special. Yeah, yeah you, it, you know? it's
0: from this. It, it, I, yeah. I'm getting to go on vacation. To this yeah. area to
1: try something from that, yeah, that region. Yeah, exactly. And so, and this is different from the product beside it because of this Damn. information package. And so, you know, that's why we're kind of, you know, just diving in super deep and, and really trying to explore the space. Like I say, I was a home brewer, not a home distiller. So well, I've got we, a lot Which is to illegal.
0: Learn. Let's uh, everyone yes. listen to that real carefully. Yes, yes. Don't use your Instapot to gelatinize corn and turn it into bourbon. Right, exactly. That can only be done at a qualified right. institution. <laughs> Yes, totally. So <laughs> that being said, what's 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 new and exciting coming next for you guys?
1: So where we're at now is um, we're exploring specialty malts. Um, the the first in that uh, release category is um, what we call Double Kiln Munich. So so I've tasted that.
0: Yes, that stuff is awesome.
1: So as awesome. The, we're we're stoked about how it turned out. You, you know, uh, my co-founder Brian Simpson and I, we always kind of. Uh, bicker politely back and forth. On you guys are road. a married couple. Shut up. <laughs>
0: 100%. You guys go back and forth all the time. It's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but the, um, the... I think it's awesome. I, yeah. I, I don't want to call uh, but, Brian out about it, but yeah. But
1: I have a flavor profile in my mind about when we sort of say, like, we're going to craft a, a specialty malt in this color range, you, you to, know... To taste like X. It, it needs yeah, to yeah, taste yeah. like X or, or be a substitute for Y. Sure. And so as Double Kiln uh, Munich implies, it goes through a second step in the kiln. Um, it's a category all its own, man. It's right. awesome. So it, I... I we were not the first to double cook anything by any stretch of the imagination, but but um, no one has your equipment. They right. can't rec- uh, replicate and, that. And, and that's the beauty of making specialty malt. Yeah, is yeah. that you know I could you know I could rip off something from Chris or Crisp or Brees, but it's not going to taste the same because my equipment's different and my yeah. barley's different. But so this this extra time in the kiln, the second round, helps us get you know. Uh, Basically it takes a, a maybe a ten SRM product to a fifty SRM mm-hmm. without creating a lot of heavy toast components. Right. And so that's that was really the 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 goal I had in mind was let's build color, let's get toffee, let's get caramel, let's get dark fruit, but hold the toast at bay. You, yeah. You know, some of our darker experiments had, you know, they sort of danced between like a light, you know, almost sens-
0: like coffee or, yeah, or, or, they or chocolate. Col- yeah, 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 yeah. But
1: like batch one would be delicious central American coffee. Batch two would be like a burnt charcoal briquette. And so like <laughs> we, we were just fighting back and forth yeah, on that sure. front. So we really dialed in the double kiln Munich, uh, and that that's been repeatable. Um, I, I we're trying to implement a no snowflakes prod, uh, 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 line at the uh, at the malt house, so nobody falls in love with something we can't do again. No, 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 and that
0: that's a hard thing to do at every level. Yeah. So yeah. if you if you guys make this amazing about one time, it has to be it repeatable to, to make to repeatable. sure that you you get this consistency out to your customer. Yep. You guys have worked very very hard on that as well.
1: Absolutely, and um, you know, because that's really you know what we found with growing the business is it was like I, I always refer to us as like being a brewer's Sunday dinner malt. You know, like yeah, yeah. like we were the this, we got the call when the collaborations were happening mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. things like that. And then, you know, we said, well, that was cool. That went so well. Let's try to
0: give do, me a call back. Let, let's you give know? Me a call wait, back. Don't uh, wait two days. Call yeah, me the yeah. next day. Tell we'll me the next day. What's yeah. happening?
1: And, uh, and the answer was, well, you know, your base malt wobbles too much and, in color. And we said, all right, heard. Got you. No, you know, that, and
0: that's it, the kind of feedback you guys needed. But yeah.
1: You, you've and so we've addressed that right and so laser focus was and it wasn't the sexiest project to do you know of like (laughs) hey we got to keep our base malt at 2 srm every day you know but but by focusing on that and creating a product that that was repeatable we were able to give the brewers the peace of mind that like oh yeah you can be my everyday malt in my ipa because i know that when i open a bag of base camp the colors on point
0: well it's the same at the distillation level too because yeah. you're doing the same thing there you're, you're yeah. base malt at a lot of places that you can't say because it seems to me that distillers are a little their car their cards are closer to their chest absolutely Than some of the brewers who are you know willing to uh regale people with sales of where that malt's coming from totally and and, and i think we'll see that change over time maybe
1: i don't know i, I hope so you, you know it it's it, the other sort of stumbling block that we need to get over is um, we still don't have a true distiller's malt. I'm not oh, su- I'm not sure okay, we okay, need yeah, yeah. one. Nah,
0: I, I think you guys have enough DP and some of the other things that
1: you're doing. I on, do but. as well, but you know, but you mentioned adding beta-glucanase and things like that. Well, that was so, raw
0: corn though. That was a different true, that was a different story. True,
1: but uh, still I sort of look at the the enzyme package and you know, sometimes I'm still answering a basic question like okay if their house bourbon recipe only calls for 8% malted barley and oh
0: then the dp is over 200 it's yeah. got to be diastatic power right. has to be over 200 yeah
1: but is it a linear relationship in the fa- in the sense that could they make a maltier bourbon that jumped to a 12 or a 16% malted barley and win, pull local pull, malt yeah, yeah, yeah. in and not disturb their process or lose yields or well, anything that's a, yeah, like that. Yeah, that's a, that's a cool study. And I know this uh, really sharp guy named Kevin Brent Smith that's um, with Company Distilling now, but he was with Jack Daniels forever, and uh, he gave this great presentation at the Craft Malt Conference a couple of months back on how he had actually dialed in the Jack Daniels Distillery to run efficiently on brewer's malt. Mm. And it... It's pretty much over my head in a technical sense, but from <laughs> I would love I would have loved to it, heard that. Yeah, it, it, it's it's fascinating, but but the general thrust of it was, if you know what you're doing, you can use brewers malt and get a richer, more flavorful product it out of the sense. back end. But,
0: but it makes and, sense because you're adding more of that malt flavor, right. less protein. Exactly. You're still getting the conversion that you need and
1: you're getting more flavor into the distillation yeah. process. And it, it's a lot of like pH management and things Big like time. that. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. It, so it, it it's it's not an easy trip. No, to, pH
0: to, is going to affect how those enzymes work as sure. well
1: as uh, uh, water chemistry. Right. and So, so you've got to have enough calcium there. And, yeah. and that was kind of the thrust of the yeah. presentation was like if you manage for X and Y... You, you can the get, doors open yeah, up yeah, yeah. for you sure you, sure, don't, sure you don't need a boatload of, uh, of enzymes and uh, which would be a that. cost savings right a big time cost savings yeah yeah so it, it's um but yeah but in terms of interacting with the distilling community I mean I, I think it, there's a, a lot of, of opportunity there to to talk about local I mean it, it's been a whole lot of heritage a whole lot of barrels uh, uh, talk and all of that and and I think kind of as we look to the next, you know, frontier. It's going to be more ingredient conversations, and I'm I'm excited about that.
0: Well, I'm excited about uh, people being able to find you and yes. getting some of the malts that we've been talking about, getting some of uh, the samples you've been talking about. How do folks? Find you know, and uh I'm gonna be honest with the yes. l- listeners right now. I did finish the other one, yeah. The Cumberland, uh, I it, it, it that's empty. That was the heaviest. Pour, that that wasn't heavy pour. That
1: was <laughs> that was two that fingers. Was, yeah,
0: that was big kid pour. Yeah. I did water it down a little bit. I wasn't yep. drinking it at seventy-seven <laughs> percent. Don't you guys out there judge me, but yeah. How do folks find you to get this stuff?
1: Yeah, so uh riverbendmalt.com. Uh, oh, ri- you mean it's so difficult? I yeah, mean, it, it lets- it's <laughs> it's definitely you know we've got an online order form. Um, if you. Call the one one eight five five number uh, a real live human, usually me, picks up the phone, um, <laughs> and uh, it's it's great to have your telephone number on the internet for 13 it. years. It, I it, love it. it. It's great. Um, no no spam calls at all. No, but, I,
0: uh, I I try to call usually at 3, 4 in the morning yeah, just to make sure you're okay. It, it's great. Yeah.
1: Um, but yeah, um, at riverbendmalt.com on the socials, and um, yeah, tons of product information on the website. Yeah. Um, our Instagram feed does a great job of you know highlighting our customers so where you can find finished beer and spirits around the southeast um, and'm I'm,
0: I'm super excited about some of these because you guys have been in the game for a while now it's it's a uh, when you guys are 2010 yeah yeah so so th- the fun thing for me is when you had your product out in the marketplace now we have some of these aged spirits coming out with your with your products yes and
1: for me it's uh,
0: important. That I try those things, yes, uh, for for my students, for the for the listeners, and for the people.
1: Yeah, you know, it's all it's always a waiting game on the spirits front, right? It's hard, it, man. You it's put that
0: because we just I just drank basically
1: white dog and <laughs> it and was fantastic like, and you're like,
0: it's good no i i liked it the finnish spirit uh, i, I the, would be really curious to see how those two age and, 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 and well, yeah because yeah, i think uh they would be different they would both be very very good just the way that they came off the still yeah. but they would be uh yeah there, there would be this like yin to yang kind of thing with the two different corn varieties and I think it would be just a really amazing thing to see what happens over time right. uh, between those two things.
1: And yeah, so. yeah, to- completely. And uh, yeah, and I, I want to continue these explorations. You, you know, looking at um, different corn varieties. There, I mean the the opportunities out there. I've got a grower in South Carolina exploring a bunch of different uh, varieties this summer, and. There, there's just so much, there's so much cool stuff out there to explore.
0: There really is. And you guys have had some really cool rye like, uh, I remember the Blacks Farm rye. That was just, oh yeah. That, uh, that, that, hopefully that's coming back. I hope so too, because yeah. the the rye whiskey I made out of that, unfortunately it's all gone. And I apologize yeah. for that because that's on me. That's yeah. 100% on me. <laughs> I took it
1: down. I, I own that. <laughs> that's,
0: that's me. Cause yeah. I, I wanted to make sure I understood sensory on that particular rye. Yeah extremely well. And I did. I feel like now it's a part of me. You you know it. Yes.
1: It's in your soul. No, because that Um,
0: that particular variety of rye was so unique and so interesting and so delicious. Yeah. Uh, I, I just... So I he's, need more of that in my life.
1: So he's talking about uh, seashore black rye, um, which so, is a,
0: unbelievable. Yeah.
1: Com, so Just, we have oh. white rye's coming from Europe, which Renza Bruzi was a part of, and then we have black rye's coming up from South America. Yeah. So completely different lineage, um, and completely uh, com, different flavors. Completely I mean, honestly, flavor profile. Honestly, and uh, yeah. So it, uh, that rye would
0: probably make the best mint julep I would ever
1: have. I believe it. it I honestly, it, it's got, and it has some of those elements of like you know the the softer spice component of the new hybrids, but it it sits somewhere in in between the two spaces. Really, it, it kicks it's, it kicks in more baking spice than the hybrid rise. It was of today. less
0: less bread, more of that baking spice kind of but flavor, not but, but, peppercorn but not black pepper. But not black pepper which which Ren's I, Ren's I also very much enjoy. So yeah, that's a. It, they all have their spaces. It's, it's not a problem. Yeah, it's research. Yeah, one,
1: one of my favorite. Uh, yeah, and as soon as we get it back, uh, one of, I mean, we still talk about it is uh, Highwire did a Black Rye Lager. Um, oh, it was so with, amazing. You know, yeah, that yeah. one. That one was. That's I mean, also that's been, now a part of me as well. That's been moons ago <laughs> that they brewed that beer. I would and, really uh,
0: like to see that again. To be honest with you. Yeah,
1: it. It, as soon as we get it back, we've got a grower in Coastal North Carolina that. Um, all signs are pointing to you know that. Um, so
0: that's a great, another great question. How can growers get up? Go to the same website. Can they contact same you? same website? Oh, yeah,
1: but you know, both Brian and I kind of play off one another when it comes to grower relations. He handles a majority of it. Um, but the the other sort of fun storyline behind uh, Seashore Black is um, a researcher in Florida named uh, Ann Sufis Blunt. Uh, she did a I'm lot. Sorry. Of Ann Sufis Blunt, as in smoke oh uh, like a, a blunt end <laughs> of something yes, yes. and uh
0: <laughs> smoke
1: <laughs> uh, <laughs> but yeah so anyway she took um seashore black and improved it uh much in the way uh, Renz a Bruzy mm-hmm. began as a bruise rye and the plant breeder last name Renz improved it um she has done the same thing with seashore black and we've got a good looking crop out of florida it doesn't have a sexy name it's called fl 401 but it it has a direct it should be called FL four twenty right with the last I mean, name Blunt. let complete missed opportunity. I, f- I really think she'll get there because it because it's
0: twenty two four o two four o three Yeah, so
1: maybe Boss 402, in four o two maybe in get, five yeah. five years we'll have four twenty <laughs> Rye out of uh, rye out of Florida. So, but the um, but yeah, but anyway, so direct line of uh, of sight on that uh, heritage for heirloom variety being grown in sure. sort of non traditional areas. So. Really excited. You know, we try to have a, a grain, something from every state that we sell into. And so this FL 401 has kind of been our our best shot to have something out of Florida. I,
0: I think it's really neat. Uh, I think it's uh, amazing what you guys are doing. I, I can't thank you enough for supporting the the program here. Oh man. Uh, you, you guys have donated all sorts of crazy stuff to us, yeah. whether it's grain or your time or your expertise. Yeah, we you love donated, having the students Yeah, you, you, you talk, uh, you've been an internship site. So uh, you guys are amazing. Thank you very much. We'll continue to support you guys as much as we can. Uh, and I can't thank Donnie, uh, Donnie, whoa, white <laughs> liquor is good. Uh, Danny McConnell from McConnell Farms, uh, Taste the Way You Remember. Thanks, Danny, for all that you uh, donate to the program as well. I am ready for a nap after all of this, and I can't, uh, once again, thank you enough for being here. Everyone, check out Riverbend Malting Company. They're making some phenomenal stuff, and we have made uh, spirits with their stuff and I'm going to drink more of said spirits and probably not get much done the rest of the day. Thank you Love for being it. here, Brett. Yeah, cheers. This cheers. was super
1: fun.